Making more rice? Yeah. I thought I'd try a little something different. What's your name? My name? Mm -hmm. Mama Lorico. Mama Lorico, a.k.a. Herminia Lorico, a.k.a. my grandmother, my Lola in Tagalog, her first language from growing up in the Philippines. Gonna make some more fried rice. You guys like that, so I have to have another batch of yeah. yeah. There, you haven't eaten yet. I know, I will. And now her love language is cooking. Filipino food she learned to cook when she came to the States. She's fed hordes of my family members and our various pals since 1962. On the afternoon I stopped by, that included my sister. Mama, can you tell Courtney what a podcast is? Pop tap. Is that when you see all your, <laughs> when you see all your, you know, Abby's cooking, Abby's talking about food. Yeah. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Well, let me get my, my camera. You transfer those things to me. Oh, you mean to transfer my podcast to your camera? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that works. How often? Hey, look at my camera. So Mama, I'm interviewing Courtney. Hold on. So how often every week do you say you come over to Mama's house for food? Like three, at least. Well, yeah, on a good oh, week. Oh, wait a minute, low battery. Mama, <laughs> hold on. Shh, I'll help you fix your phone in a second. <laughs> yeah, plug it in. You gotta plug it into the charger. So maybe Mama's not the best subject for this episode, but luckily this town has more of a Filipino accent than you might've thought. On Abby Eats St. Louis, in honor of Filipino American History Month, I'm loading up on a plate full of sinigang, adobo, bistec, lumpia, fried rice, the food I grew up on. And I'm gonna force feed it to you like your Lola. How local chefs are making the most of the Filipino food moment. The reason being, you know, Filipino food is not, you know, Instagrammable, right? So, but nowadays, uh, because of um, uh, the young breed of, uh, of chefs they're very creative why it isn't the stuff you'll find in the islands yet we don't really like call it uh fusion really more just like midwest filipino and how you can always crash a pinoy party even if it hasn't started yet When I tell people I'm half Filipino, they respond one of a few ways. What they guessed my heritage to be, usually Puerto Rican or Italian, that they knew it the whole time, or with a list of all the Filipino or part Filipino people they know. Bruno Mars may or may not be mentioned. There are actually a lot of us here. The Philippines is only behind Mexico, India, and China in the number of immigrants in the States. With relaxed immigration restrictions in the 60s, many came over here to raise their families. That's the Larico story. But since then, health care and other higher education jobs, plus the island country's close historic ties with the U.S., have continued to attract immigrants here, like Malu Navera. Today I'm making Benigno. It's a play on Eggs Benedict. Um, instead of Canadian bacon, I'm using Tocino. I, I, I made it this morning, uh, just before you told me you're coming. Okay. So it's basically um, cured, um, <clears throat> cured pork steaks that I did. And then let me warm the top for you. And then uh, instead of um, um, the, I'm using pandesal for the bread. 
Awesome. So, Which, for people who don't know what pandasal is. It's a Filipino bun. People, you're about to find out why it's practically in my blood to talk about food. So we Filipinos, we eat like five times a day. At least. Breakfast with rice and egg. Always. <laughs> Always. And then there's there's merienda, which is the snacks. It's usually at 10 or 11. And then at 12 o'clock, we eat again for lunch with rice again. <laughs> and then around 3 o'clock comes again, again another merienda. And back home in the Philippines where we had people to prepare meals for us, it's usually like a pasta dish or a pancit or a sandwich too. Mm -hmm. And then dinner is when family gathers together again for like a feast. Like we, we basically have a fish dish, soup, vegetable, and meat. So yes. something like that. I met Malou after being invited to a dinner party she hosted. She brought out dish after dish of sinigang, a tart stew, adobo, a classic marinated meat dish, lechon, roasted pork, paella, this one was seafood, a little wine, a lot of rice. It was perfect. My Lola, my grandmother, has always said, we call her mama, mm -hmm. that it's a Filipino thing to always have enough food that just in case you get an unexpected party, Exactly. You're the, you're ready to feed them. Your Lola is a legit Filipina. She is. She is. Because that's how, you know, that's how we are and especially Filipinos like you cannot leave their house without you know trying their food because it's their culture to share whatever they have. Mm -hmm. And also like growing up um, my dad was a politician. So my mom would always have something in the fridge because even breakfast time, would you believe, there are people who would come to join us. She's throwing me shade, I think, as I eat my Filipino eggs Benedict in her kitchen. Most people met Malou a little less intimately, but loved her all the same. Hello, my name is Malou Perez Rivera. I'm the creator of this food blog called Skip to Malou. Today, I'd like to welcome you to my modern Asian cooking series, which I'm going to share with you how to cook one of the most popular dishes in the Philippines called Chicken Joy or Fried Chicken a la Jollibee. Yeah, my, my daughter just called me yesterday, Mom, I just realized you have 10 million hits. Like, can you imagine how many people 10 million is? And I'm like, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, it's insane, right? Malou's tagline, cooking with a Filipino accent. She's bopped around since moving to the U.S. from the northern Philippines in 2000. Malou and her family landed in St. Louis in 2011. She blogs, she's hosted pop-up dining events, and become a known name in the Filipino food scene. Oh my god, so am I a chef now? Because everyone, no, everyone calls me a chef Malou, chef Malou. And I don't want to be called that because I didn't go to school for it. And in fact, my mom, whenever somebody calls me chef Malou or she meets someone, in like for instance in a bank or in church and one of the people there i watched your daughter chef malu on tv and she goes no what does she do in america and then when, when i talk to her she's like are you like she's like you're a fake you know you're an impostor because she, she knows that i don't really cook and, that sounds like a classic filipino parent oh, oh my god yeah <laughs> like like she tells me are you faking everyone? Like, mom, they love my food, you know? So, but whenever I go home, I don't cook as much just because, um, um, you know, your family could be like 
very honest and they think what is this nah you know like mm -hmm. I, I can't take that I can't take yeah. their critics so yeah uh, I don't cook as much so my mom doesn't know how I cook or probably she knows but she doesn't know how much joy it brings to other people and um, yeah that's what I take pride of the day we talked Malou had just completed a draft for her biggest project yet sending in the manuscript for her cookbook Congratulations. Do you feel like you had a baby? Oh my God. It's like <laughs> 10 years in the making. But yeah, it took me like more than a year. And I'm just so glad that I found a good team to work with this time. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, this cookbook is just a figment of my imagination. I've been talking about it for ages. And I, th <laughs> I think my friends are already like tired of listening to my story no, like I don't think one so. day i'll have a cookbook and then suddenly yesterday it dawned on me that oh my god it's really coming to fruition will it contain the recipe for convincing her mom she's the real deal maybe because she still has a hard time believing it herself sometimes i would never imagine myself cooking every day just because we have help back home who yes. would do it for us my but lola had the same thing actually background yeah. right and, and, it, and it's not just because of my background. It's, you know, a common, oh yeah, it's a common thing from the Philippines if you're there. If you're from there, you know, you get, you get to afford to, to have someone, you know, wait upon you and, and stuff like that. But when you're here and you have three kids, just like when we moved here, I'm like, oh my God. It was kind of daunting in the beginning, like because of the, unf you're unfamiliar with house chores. Mm -hmm. And, but you do it every day. And so it's so unthinkable for me to be talking about how to cook this and how to do this and how to, and what bath soap is better or what laundry soap is better mm -hmm. or what dishwashing soap is better. Cause back home you never talk about that yeah. <laughs> but over here it's like hey have you heard about the sale there's you know sale and tide or whatever <laughs> like those were never your your topics back home like you know so over here i never would imagine myself to be like talking about food all the time and showing people how to do it because it was not my way of life over there right no. so you picked this up and you happened to be really good at it I think um, there's that's why my book is called Connecting the Pots because looking back at how my life um, you know unfolded, I kind of like connected everything and I, at the back I, I didn't even realize it until when I got here that I think I was born to do this connection. That's the theme for her, cooking food and connecting with people, sharing her recipes, but also connecting ideas about her own identity, the soul in her food. As an immigrant, there's always the question of where is home? Like, mm -hmm. when you're here in America, you feel like your home still in the Philippines. Like, this is just like your adopted country. But then when you go home, all the people, that, all your friends, family, they're all busy with their own lives and the place is different because of all the you know tall buildings and whatnot and <clears throat> it, it's it's totally different from how you know the place so mm -hmm. I always describe it as you're in between actually yeah. like you're in purgatory kind of yeah like you don't know whether you're a Filipino or an American when I'm back home they say my God, you have an American twang. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and when I'm back here, my kids are like, Mom, your accent is so Filipino. So 
those are the nuances of being an immigrant and yeah. somehow it gets to you at some point you know like where is home where is home and <clears throat> i'm like yeah it's it's kind of sad sometimes but you just have to deal with it so how is cooking helping <clears throat> you kind of connect it, those dots it, it actually grounded me and um yeah it's in the book i i kind of talked about at one point in my life like i just realized that home is where you're at home is where you cook food for you to share with the people you love home is when your son calls you and say hey mom i miss your cooking you know but it's his subtle way of i miss you probably yeah. in my head i want to i want to think of it that way but of course he won't he won't admit that but yeah so for me f food helps you connect or bridge that gap between here and home mm -hmm. and um it also has the ability to like transports you like a bite of this will like make you remind of how like for instance my husband um he would ask me to make a certain dish like the vegetable dish that his grandma used to make and when i made it and he said all of a sudden memories of his grandma just like evolved and you know he's talking about his grandma all the time and i think for me you know that's a hug from home wherever you are food has the ability to do that to do that oh so like sometimes though mama can't handle it all herself but this town is hungry for Filipino food, something Joel Crespo and Brian Hardesty learned firsthand. Uh, Brian is the has is the one with the with the uh, experience, and yeah. I was just a home cook, and we used to bond uh, talking over about uh, about food stuff because I was like a food you know nerd or whatever, and I had a office job in, in a cubicle, and I would read food blogs all day, and uh, when I was supposed to be working. And then I would I would go to Brian's restaurant and be like, hey, I read about this or I heard about this. What do you know? And he would give me advice and, and kind of guide me through his experience. And then I would eat at his restaurant all the time. And then that's just kind of how our relationship was, is we'd bond over a bunch of things and one of them being over food and having similar tastes. And and he would come and eat at, uh, you know, our Filipino picnics and stuff like that. And so that was just like an ongoing kind of conversation about food and, you know, what we liked about food and what we thought was fun and interesting. And that's kind of where it all kind of sprouted from. It is Gorilla Street Food, one of the first food trucks in St. Louis, now with brick and mortar locations across the St. Louis area. We met at the spot on Del Mar. They have skateboard light fixtures, graffiti on the walls. This really ain't your mama's Filipino food. Sure. Definitely not so, my mama's Filipino food. It took two years of like experimentation and playing around with recipes and, you know, doing different riffs on recipes and really understanding the ingredients and of the dishes, the traditional dishes to, to go, okay, here's something that is ours, our, our dishes, our versions of those things. And we don't really like call it a uh, fusion really more just like Midwest Filipino. So like it's our, it's what's around us, what's available and using those ingredients when we need to, you know, or when we can. And we, part of our discussion was rooted in this idea as we, he was coming and eating Filipino food and coming to picnics is that like, there's a lot of similarities. Like we were kind of connecting dots and it was kind of like Filipino food, while it seems exotic and different to people who haven't had it before, it's not that different. I mean, there's universal thing. I mean, you know, like spit roasted 
pig. Like, who doesn't like that? That exists Especially in, in the Midwest. Right, yeah. that exists in so Chicken many rice. Uh, right. Yeah. You know, just lots of slow-cooked stews and just delicious comfort food. So it's very similar food. You know, it's just different ingredients and, um, you know, some different techniques, which are exciting. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Speaking of that, especially because you say it's Midwest Filipino food, yeah. I feel like this is something that is completely different than they'd even be able to have at a Filipino restaurant in on the West Coast or the East Coast when there are more Filipino people. Sure. I mean, I would like to think that we take some unique approaches to um, to the dishes that we make using seasonal food that's around available to us. Um, you know, uh, uh, relatively recently we made a a soup and that's normally it's a sour soup normally soured with tamarind Sinigang? yeah and but instead i don't we can't get green tamarind in st louis i have yet to find any and unless we have somebody mail some to us yeah um you know i'm like okay well what can we do um, no so, mamacitas powdered tamarind for you well, and you know i've tried those things <laughs> and those things are fine it's yeah. just i wanted to try to make it from scratch and try to do a, a midwest version of that so it happened to be um you know, an apple season at the time. So I used Granny Smith apples, which sound really strange, but they're sour. They're very tart, especially earlier in the season. That's cool. And then um, a- along with a little bit of uh, citrus, I was like, okay, this this is very sour and, you know, a little bit of our vinegar and whatever. So we kind of nailed it. And then when people read that description, they're like, that's not synagogue. I'm like, okay, that's true. It's absolutely not traditional synagogue, but is absolutely in the spirit of the dish. And then we used like a local pork shoulder that we grilled over charcoal, almost like a pork steak. And we had like, you know, some, some Midwest sweet potatoes in that instead of, uh, you know, daikon radish. And it was just this really good kind of meeting of the two regions, you know? And so I was pretty proud of it. Yeah. For both of you, how often do you have to deal with that that's not blank. That's not how my Lola made it. That's not how I mean, it's, it. it's it's something that we've dealt with since the beginning. It yeah. definitely comes up. But I think once people taste the food, um, they they get it. Or, you know, a lot of them do. Most of them do. And we, ha- we do have a lot of Filipinos of all ages and generations come to the restaurant and come back. And we're a regular spot. And we're really flattered and grateful for that. Like... But there's definitely, you know, people who are purists or whatever. And you're always going to have that. And that's and that's okay. We just knew, I knew growing up in St. Louis, like I had seen Filipino restaurants come and go growing up through the years. Um, and I and one of the things that we, Brian and I talked about, when he when he brought up, like, let's do Filipino food, I was like, well, you know, my, the, the, these are the things that I always heard Filipinos complain about. You know, oh, they went to the new Filipino restaurant and my adobo is better than their adobo or whatever. And so, yeah. you know, and, and, and I was like, so we got to figure that out uh, if we're going to make this work. And so part of that strategy is like, well, we're not going to do, we're going to call our food like Filipino American or we're going to be Filipino inspired and we're not going to try to make your Lola's yeah. adobo or make better adobo than your Lola's. We're going to make our version of adobo. It's going to be our version of these dishes so that hopefully we can avoid that comparison and walking in people can understand that this is maybe not traditional but hopefully if since we've done our homework and we've and we've tried trial and errored it as, as much as we can we're still being authentic with the flavors and the approach and the technique um, and being respectful to the to the to the source material but yet making it our own so that we're not you know it's obviously when you look at our dishes they're plated in ways that are not you know 
what you would see in a, a Filipino home. Right. You know, Brian's background and fine dining and stuff like really like lets you like eat the dish with your eyes first before you eat it. And I think that's like a good visual of like, okay, this is something a little bit different. Yeah. I definitely wanted to touch on that because the thing about food here is it looks good. And honestly, my grandma's cooking, I'll love it till the day I die, but it doesn't look that pretty. And sure. it's not as accessible, really. It's sure. just not. I mean, I feel like I would make the case, let me know if you agree with me or if you would kind of rephrase any part of this, that really, it, Filipinos, we're a big enough group within the United States that deserve the opportunity to kind of change up the cuisine. It's not like you sit there and expect every Italian restaurant to be pure Italian or every Mexican restaurant to be pure Mexican food. And so why can't Filipino food have that kind of um, a, a chef's influence on that and let it kind of play with the other ways that you'd be cooking and kind of bring it into 2019 or whatever. Absolutely. I think that the uh, way that food evolves, and this is true, this brings up the whole like what's authentic and 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 how that what that means is food just naturally evolves if people are adding to the conversation like oh how about oh, have you tried it like this or have you tried it like that suddenly you have these three different versions of that thing and then there's four different recipes and they're all you might like that and you might not like that but it's they exist and they are valid and they're you know, usually pretty good ideas, you know, and if they're not, then somebody's like, oh, I can do that, but I can do that better. And that's, that's how all food, I think, evolves over time. So, I mean, we just hope to be able to be included in that conversation as a whole. And we hope that people think that we're true to the, the idea of Filipino food, but we're also uh, kind of like a singular voice going, okay, this is, this is our just contribution. You know, so. And I think with any kind of like food or art or whatever you want to call it, it's like it's supposed to be an expression of what you what you have you. And we're we're Filipino, but we're also um, Midwesterners. Food is a big deal for many immigrant groups. Of course, I needed to know what convinced a white guy named Brian, who'd never left the country, to quit his successful runs in various acclaimed St. Louis kitchens to cook Filipino food of all things. Joel and I have been friends since the early 2000s and, you know, just being friends with Joel kind of, um, you know, uh, even unaware I was introduced to like Filipino culture because yeah. he's Filipino. Right. We never really got too deep into that conversation just as friends, like, oh, you know, talk to me what it's like for you to be Filipino. <laughs> you know what I mean? It never got like, we don't talk. So instead it was just like, okay, I'm just friends with this guy and I'm around his family and he's got a huge family. And so going over there for, you know, Christmas or saying hi on Thanksgiving, it's like, oh, over the huge table of food, I'm going, hi guys. And they're like, hey, and you know, totally treat me like family. and. So just being a part of that everyday life is like, okay, well, I, I uh, you know, I just appreciate the, the kindness and um, welcoming attitude of his family. And, and that's really my biggest takeaway from, I would say, from, you know, being introduced to Filipino culture is, is being introduced to my friend, yeah. you know. Was it intimidating to start cooking for his family? Yeah, it was. <laughs> but that, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go, okay. You guys eat it first, and then tell me how bad it is, oh. and then I'll go. Okay, that's that's like my baseline. I can yeah. only go 
up from there. That's that exactly never happened, what, by the way. No one ever. But that's exactly that what we did. It was like, okay, you try it, and then they they tried it, and and we tried it a lot. We're like, no, this is terrible. And I would try a lot of things that nobody ever. I would not allow anybody to taste. Like so what? just, I mean, okay, it sounds silly to me. It's a little embarrassing now, but like, I probably tried to make chicken adobo. 30 times before I thought it was okay for somebody else to taste it. Really? Easy. Your house probably smelled good, at least. But it's like introducing somebody to a, a, a food that they've never heard of and saying, okay, now go cook it. It's, it's, it seems impossible, you know? Even though I, uh, I'm a, like a trained cook and, you know, I have, I understand technique and, and all that. I'm like, so I'm trying to apply what I know to this other thing, and that's not always the case, you know? So... It was, a, it was a fun experience learning it. And then once we got it down, it was like yeah. instant confidence. Like, okay, well, that was, that was delicious. So now we can try other things and branch out. And then, you know, Filipinos come to the truck and go, hey, you guys ever heard of this dish or that dish? And we're like, no. And so we go make that dish. And then that dish is on our menu today. So yeah. it's, it's pretty cool. Just kind of constantly learning something new about all this. Yeah, I mean, I think that over the course of our company's history we've probably done you know two or three hundred different filipino dishes and so that's a pretty good um recipe book for me to kind of draw from and and then continue to add to you know as, as much as possible we try to do you know specials as much as we can one of those is dinaguan it's a dark brown stew served over rice often called chocolate meat because the sauce is just that dark and also because it sounds better than pig blood meat that's the real main ingredient in the dish. Like a lot of cuisines that aren't so typical in the U.S., some of the ingredients can take some getting used to. By the way, as I've gotten older, I've tried to say dinaguan instead of chocolate meat. It really is delicious. But sometimes even I appreciate the euphemism. It's probably a good thing, though, the guys don't use it. And now we live in an age where people are, you know, so well-versed and, and read so much about ingredients that they know and are excited and are curious about it that you don't have to do that anymore. It's like, we're really lucky that, um, I don't know what Filipino food uh, looked like personally, like 15, 20 years ago, but I'm assuming that they stuck to things that were very, very accessible, like adobo, punsit, lumpia, like the things that are universal and were afraid to be like, I'm going to put, you know, kare kare or like denaguan on the menu because when you cook blood, it turns black. You show this to someone and they're like, you want me to eat that? Now we live in an age where we can run that as a special and we sell out. You guys haven't been open that long and it's already getting crowded. You know, right. a place like this, seeing that this is your baby, you helped create this. There's a place my dad can go get Filipino food whenever he wants it in St. Charles, just down the street from him now. It's right. totally crazy to me. I mean, are you surprised that St. Louis has had such an appetite for this kind of food? Um, I mean, if you would have told me, you know, 10 years ago, I would have been surprised, but I mean, the culinary scene and uh, food scene in St. Louis has grown and evolved so much in the last like 10 to 20 years. Um, but in rapidly and more exponentially, it just seems like people are getting really excited and, and um, about anything that comes along and the foodies and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, are really in Instagram and YouTube and all that stuff are really kind of like raising the visibility and people are becoming much more, you know, uh, aware of different ingredients and different styles of cuisine and stuff like that. And so I, I, I wouldn't have thought of it like when, when, you know, 15, 20 years ago, but now it kind of makes sense because people, you know, are excited about everything. Filipino food, they say, is a tradition to be shared. 
especially with Midwestern guys named Brian. When we were in the Philippines, like uh, we got introduced to this, uh, a friend introduced us to this cookbook uh, about adobo, and it was like over a hundred recipes of adobo. I mean, that's just one iconic dish of the Philippines. So I always think it's funny when people talk about, oh, this is a different. Well, like it's it's different all the time. Like you know, like I, I've heard Filipino uh, adobos recipes from Filipinos that are like, oh, they use pickle juice instead of vinegar or, or they add coconut milk or they don't and, and there's just so many iterations everyone wants to add their little touch and their little stamp on it their little secret or whatever and I don't think it's anything different than that what we're doing that being said you guys are kind of the introductory yeah. Yeah. to a lot to Filipino food for a lot of people uh, people who will never go to not even just not go to the Philippines not go to either coast and get the, those experiences or those takes on Filipino food so is it kind of cool for you, especially Joel, to know that you're promoting this part of the culture to people in St. Louis who a couple years ago had never even knew Filipino food was a thing? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it was never our intention to like be any, be that, but I mean, it's, we're definitely, um, grateful and you know, it, we're, I'm always, I always feel honored when people look at us that way. At the Larico House? at a dinner party featuring Malou's recipes, at one of the many and growing Gorilla Street locations, there's always a seat at a Filipino table in St. Louis. That is, unless you're next to my sister. Do you feel like Filipino food should be more popular than it is? Having grown up eating it yourself. No, because I like to it for it to be my delicacy instead of everybody else's. Wow. That's a big difference between me and you. I'm sitting here learning about things I love and sharing them with the world, and you're just, like, chowing down. I guess I should eat some of that before you eat all of it. I know. I'm a little bit hangry. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Abby Eats St. Louis is a Five on Your Side production. With me, Abby Larico, and executive producer, Dory Olmos. Theme music is by Jerome Fabi, Olivier Renoir, and Pierre Dubost. And please be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a beat. Leave us a rating and a review, too. We want to hear what you think. And also send us a message on our Instagram, at Abby Eats St. Louis. Until we see you next time, seize the plate and salamat.